What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Going, going pretty well, Graham. Pretty well. Big week that we got coming up um, on the podcast, actually. A lot to talk about, man. Falcons. Yes, Falcons. Braves. One thing that's United, very... United. Uh, Atlanta professional sports. I feel like you now. Like, you're talking over me when I'm trying to say something. It's great. I'm, well, not, I, I'm not completing I, your sentences or knowing what you're going to say. I, I saw you try to get in there before I was finished speaking, so I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm just going to plow through. No, I think that's good. And I think, you know, I was interrupting you, ironically. So, anyway, um, I lost my train of thought, and I thought you were going to say... I thought you were going to stop with the Braves and the Falcons and not go on to the other... Uh, sources of our other discussions, but I was going to say if you're comparing the Braves and the Falcons, you said the Falcons first. One uninspiring, one inspiring. Yep. As far as that goes. Oh, I thought you were going to have like some more. Oh uh, no, that's all I was going to say. And I was expecting you to keep rambling on for like seven minutes, and then we, you know, eventually get on with the show. Then we start the show. Yeah. Um, I could probably do that if you wanted me to. By all means. Um, oh yeah, you want me to? Sure. I'm sure everyone wants to hear you just, you know, do a nice little aside. So what were you thinking about talking about? What was going to be your little opener, your little intro? I never know what I'm going to talk about, Graham. I was, no, I, I was thinking of mentioning um, the fact that I just beat you at tennis in heartbreaking you know, fashion. I think you can put a little asterisk on that game. You won the first set. We were tied in the second set. And then there were free tennis lessons offered at uh, Cone Park. And we had to leave because they were taking up all the courts. It was... Early in the second set, it was 1-1, I believe. Yes. But I was very distracted once 15 people got on the court next to us with the, with the guy screaming about, oh, we got Charlie Hustle over there. We got Charlie Hustle. Oh, you have no interest in this today, do you? It's the pink shoes. And then there's balls rolling over in front of me on the court. And yep. So, I mean, it's a slight asterisk, but um, I feel pretty good about you it. You won the part that could be won. That, that was an interesting set because we're both Atlanta sports guys. Yes. So we both have that choke gene in us. And we were just going back and forth. And I even at one thought point thought when you had me down 40-15, it was set point for you. And at first I had the thought, second set's mine. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, wait, it'd be much easier to just win this set. So that I, you know, got a little got motivation. Yeah. 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 Well, the weird part was, is like no one could hold a, a service. You, we, I think there was only in that entire set, two service games won. One by you, one by me. Every other, every other service was broken. It made no sense. Double faults, unforced errors, piss poor tennis play. It was ugly. But hey, if we're going to talk sports, we have to be athletes every now and then. Exactly. We have to, you know, put ourselves in the game. Right. For example, I am... Old faulty. I lose my temper. I curse. I threw my hat over the fence after double faulting uh, to lose a game. I'm back to back points. Yeah. Um, I think I'm like um, Hechevarria. Sure. Um, our, you mean our starting shortstop in the NLDS? Well, see, that's the thing. I'm most of the time I'm a bench player that plays pretty good defense with a weak bat. But um, every now and then I'm going to push that starter, and uh, you know make make the manager have some tough decisions. Mm. So I felt like a good good hedge today. Good hedge. Yeah. Good hedge has been uh, 
more prominent than bad hedge for the Braves, at least. That's for sure. That's true. And that's something we will get into when we can talk about the Braves. During our Braves segment. Yes. Let's keep that sour, disgusting feeling we've held in our mouths since Sunday and discuss that 27-24 horrific, <laughs> atrocious, insulting loss to the Colts. If we have to, Graham. We're contractually obligated for life, Adam. You know right. what you were signing up for. Well, where do we begin? Good, bad, and mostly mediocre. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where you begin with this team right now. Even last week when we beat the Eagles, I was kind of like, there's still a lot of issues. You know, we should have beaten that that damn team 30-6, to six, and there's, there's Matt Ryan throwing three more interceptions. Another one in the red zone. Or two in the red zone last week, right? Talking about Eagles. the Eagles. Eagles game, yeah. Yes. Yes. So it's like, I didn't know what to expect in this Colts game. Uh, you know, the defense played inspired against the Eagles, but not so uh, against the Colts. You had Dame Jacoby Brissett, who's not like a shit quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but, he's, you know, we wouldn't put him in that elite tier of, uh, you know, Brady and Mahomes and guys like that. You know, he's somewhere he's sort of middling. He's a middling quarterback. He's better than, like, Jameis Winston. Yes, he's better than Jameis Winston. Um, looks like, uh, you know... I want to compare him to like one of the great quarterbacks in the league, but regardless of how you view him, what your perception of Jacoby Brissett is, he started out the game 16 of 16 against <laughs> against the Falcons, which is just inexcusable. You can't let – I don't care if you're on the road. It's like every – it seems like every time we have a big win under the Dan Quinn regime, we go out and lay a fucking egg in the next game, and it's usually against an AFC team. Remember the year after the Super Bowl, we lost to all the AFC East teams. I think only the Bills and Patriots were playoff teams there. We lost to the shitty Dolphins. I believe we're now 1-9 in our last 10 games against the AFC. Yeah, it's just these things that happen that are just inexcusable. And it's, not, and it's just and it's the way we lose. It's just well, self-sabotage. 16 might be the number of the week because I, I believe we had 16 penalties as well. Yeah, right? for like 135 yards or no, something. No, it was worse than that. Yeah, 16 penalties for 128 yards. One of those penalties is bullshit, the one that got called on Keanu Neal. We'll get into that a little later. But... An elite, you know, a supposedly elite defensive coordinator with supposedly elite defensive players all over the three parts of the defense is not disciplined enough to not get 16 penalties. It's yeah. just is it's just inexcusable, man. It's just I said this multiple times throughout watching the game. I said I think I said I hate this team like three times at least. Um, this is just isn't fun to watch. No. And it's the penalty. Like, how, like, I think five or six of those penalties were third down penalties that where we stopped them. Right. Extend the drive. That extends the drive. Yeah. And that just kills your offense, kills your defense, like, kills any momentum that you could get going, especially when we're trying to come back. We just needed one more stop in that game, really. Yeah. And. We're just pissing away five potential stops where the yeah. defense actually does what they're supposed to do. It was one shitty half by the offense and defense, and then kind of picked it up in the second half. You know, Matt once again throws a pick on the wrong side of the field. So he's got six interceptions now. Trying to once again hit Luke Stocker on a deep pass. I don't understand why we keep targeting him with on crucial situations. Whatever. Uh, that was another horrible throw, but since, once that throw happened, it was like Matt got to, back to being Matt Ryan. You know, he had a pretty good game. The 304 the, yards only missed on five pass attempts and threw three touchdowns. I mean, the, the second half, that's about as good as you can play quarterback. Yeah, no, he was great. Uh, 
But the problem was there was a first half. Yeah, the first so half. It's like you got to put two halves together, Graham, to make a whole game. Yeah, when you're down twenty to three, you got to play virtually flawless football, which damn cr- damn near well did. But the defense couldn't get a stop when we needed it. No, Coach Bro's defense. There's no one else to blame except Coach Dan Quinn, our head coach and offensive. I mean, defensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, he's just not getting that done, and like I, the penalties that comes down to discipline. Well, you know what the shitty thing is? I heard that he's had uh, referees starting to come out to practice. What does that m- to to call penalties when people make bad plays? And it's like if you have to do that, you suck. You suck as a disciplinarian. You are awful. That shows me everything I need to know about Dan Quinn, and it gives me no hope for the future. Because if that's what you have to do to clean this bullshit up, you can't clean it up. It's done. It's over. Forget about it. Well, how is Go that? home. I mean, this is a serious question. How do you clean that up? I think, I mean, obviously, you know, that'll even out a little bit. You can't get 16 penalties every week because that's just like, I mean, what's the record? Like 25? I don't know. That, that's, that's an anomaly, I, I think. But regardless... It's not like we've been, you know, penalty-free for the entire season. I mean, we had 10 penalties for 58 yards against the Eagles, 9 penalties for 78 yards against the Vikings. So it's been absolutely shitty when it comes to penalties. This was the worst game for sure, but it's been an extreme detriment that has prevented us from potentially, you know, being 2-1. and one. I mean, that Vikings game was lost from the opening gun, whatever. But, you know, this was a very winnable game against the team that isn't a pushover, but is missing, you know, the guy they thought was going to be leading the franchise for their, you know, the next 10 years, and you just can't come out and lay an egg like that. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean the, the Colts might be, they could be one of the best teams in the AFC, I don't know, but it certainly felt like a winnable game to me, like you said. Um, and we're just killing ourselves, Graham, and it's just horrible and disgusting to watch, and I just thank God it's still baseball season right now. And this isn't all we have to rely on. Yeah, this is all we have to rely on. It would be uh, dark times, indeed. Uh, positives. Devontae Freeman looked a little bit like Devontae Freeman. Hit some good runs out there. Devontae Freeman was, was decent. He ran for 88 yards. Couldn't really keep running the ball in the second half because you were down 20-3. to three. So it's like he had a couple of long runs, too. The 28-yard run was really nice in the first half. You know, he only had like five rushes for 66 yards in the first half, I think. And it was like or, – or initially – that was where he was at, and there was like maybe four or five minutes left in the second quarter. I was like, we could still, you know, run the ball. It's not like we're out of the game yet. And it just didn't seem like we damn, pushed that enough. A but damn pick in the end zone just... That kills you. That was the ball. When when we get that pick, don't get any points. And that's the other thing. Matt Bryant's had, what, two field goal attempts all year? Something like that. No, he made three. three. He, made three he made three kicks in the Eagles game, I think. I think it was one of two. Oh, you're right. He made three extra points. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of these situations where I understand you always want a touchdown, but when we're in the red zone, we got to come away with points. And but when you're on the other side of the field, even, you have to come away with points. Even if it's not a touchdown, you've got to get a field goal, especially because you have a reliable kicker. At the very least, you got to score points when you're on the other side of the field. I think that's what I'm saying, isn't it? No, but you're saying red zone. I'm talking about even if you get onto the 40 of that team. Oh, gotcha. Even if you're not at the 20 yet. Like, even if you get to the 40, you better score. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like Matt is usually good at making those decisions and throwing it away when the play's not there. Yeah. And normally he tries to force it into Julio. We got Julio wide open in the end zone. Oh, he missed him in the first half. And he missed him in the first half, wide open, and we're forcing it into Luke Stocker. I I just don't get it. I don't get that. And, like, the the throws for Matt, it's like sometimes when he goes through these bad phases where he's throwing picks, it's like 
okay, I could see why you maybe made, you know, made that decision potentially. Every single one of these picks have just been awful. They've been the worst possible throw you could make, clearly on the quarterback, not on anybody else kind of kind of picks. Yeah, like type of throws where you're not really sure who he's throwing it to. Yeah. Like there's no one that much in the vicinity. Yeah. Uh it was another positive game for Julio Jones. Uh, I think the seventh straight game he's had at least 100 yards, another touchdown. You know, he's got touch, at least one touchdown in every uh, game this year. I think he's got four in the season, so he looks, you know, he looks great. Which is great, but I prefer the games where he wouldn't score touchdowns and we'd we still would, win. We would win. Yeah. Spread the ball around. Yeah. Hooper looked good, two touchdowns. Uh, you know, the offense wasn't. Got off. I mean, they were got off on the first half. It was, you know, I don't know what to say. I'm trying to search for something to have some sort of positive, uh, some sort of put some positive spin on it, but I, I don't know how to do that I at think, this point. I think the only positive spin is that it's still early in the season. Yeah. It's, and the NFC South, despite Teddy Bridgewater playing decent, the NFC South still seems winnable. It does seem winnable. So. No doubt. But you gotta take advantage now while Breeze. If we out. lose to the damn Titans, then we're fucked. You, you think can, this you can is close an angry up. conversation? Yeah, this is you can close up shop. Because when you're at home, you're facing Marcus Mariota, who's one of the worst passers in the NFL. The only guy you really gotta worry about is Derrick Henry, who is an absolute monster, who will kill you. Might just run all over but us. But he yeah. could just run all over us. I mean, Marlon Mack had a very good game against us. 16 carries, 74 yards with a score. And the, the, the score he had was a pivotal score in, in the sense that he Stiff-armed two of our guys, Trufant, and I can't remember who who else there was, but that that allowed them to win the game. And uh, incredibly frustrating. And he was dealing with an injury. And just think about it. If T.Y. Hilton doesn't go out of that football game in the second half, you know, they could have absolutely slaughtered us, potentially, because he had eight catches, 65 yards in the first half, and with a score. Do you remember that play when it was Colts ball, third and twelve? And we actually got a little pressure on them, and they just had to dump it off. And we had, like, five defenders right there. And just all five just took an awful angle. Yeah. And the guy was just able to, like, slip right up the side of the field and get the first down. It's on a third down, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was third and 12. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that now. Yeah, it was awful. Sorry about something else that was awful. Uh, Keanu Neal suffers torn ACL out for the year. After, uh, oh, sorry, an Achilles. I'm thinking of last year. He suffered an Achilles. Uh, Terry's out for the year. Um, in the last two seasons, he has played four games, which is horrible for him. He's such a talented safety, even though sometimes he does go for the head kill a little too much. You can't deny that he's an enforcer out there and a vital part of this defense. So that absolutely blows. And uh, what was even worse, to add insult to injury, he takes off his helmet after he realizes he's, he's screwed and he slams it down. Refs call a penalty on him after a guy whose season is clearly over is just upset. It's not like the, the rule was not created for scenarios like that. And I know technically you got to enforce that. I don't know, but just it's it's not like he's delaying the game anymore by slamming his helmet. He's going to be down on the ground for a while. He's clearly severely injured. Those, that ref, those referees can go screwed off. Well, and you can throw the flag and then realize what happened, and you can pick it up. Yeah, exactly. They pick up penalties all the time. I'm not That's sure a great why, point. I'm not sure why that didn't happen. Yeah. And some people were going back and forth on this and saying they would have loved to see Dan Quinn pull, a, pull a snitker yeah. in a situation like that. I would have loved that. But then on the other hand, he would also get criticism for like getting too emotional. 
and not being ready for the next play or the next man up mentality. I mean, I think that would fire. I mean, that's a, that's a classic Bobby Cox uh, maneuver. I mean, that gets your team pumped. Maybe that would have done something to light a fire under the team's ass. I maybe. mean, they, they, maybe he did that in the second in the in the locker room. Maybe that's why they played so. Well. I have no idea. Yeah. But what I do know is it's like this has a very eerie. Feels like 2018 again, Graham. Well, it feels a little like 2014, the final year of Smitty. <laughs> it's the same stale, tired message. Yeah. And then instead of, you know, Mike Smith, it was like, we're tough, you know, and all this stuff. And now Dan Quinn, it's like he's got a new catchphrase every week. Like, he was having everybody wear bad motherfucker t-shirts at practice during week three. And it's like, it just seems forced. It seems very contrived at this point. It seems like he's scraping the bottom of the barrel because his motivational tactics aren't working anymore, and he's trying to do something to change it up. So it's like, I'll use bad motherfucker. Everybody loves Pulp Fiction. Like, I, I don't know. I, I it, You know, I, I hope I'm wrong. It just feels like we uh, have seen this movie before. The message is getting lost, and we are not in a good spot as a football team. Yeah, and I mean... I certainly think the writing's on the wall at this point, and we just know how this season's going to play out, I think. As, opti- as suddenly optimistic as we were last week, which maybe will be that way again after a week. Like, if the offense, Matt Ryan, somehow stops throwing picks, the offense plays like they did last week. I'm more concerned about the defense. I mean, like... I know, as, but we as, can as be as a team where the offense carries us. Like, this offense should be a score 30-plus points a week. Offense. It should be, but you know, I, I think one of the reasons why Devontae had such a good game is that the Colts have had a, a bad run defense for a couple of years now, and this year, notwithstanding, uh, they lost one of their key linebackers whose name escapes me before the game. And you know, Devontae was able to have a decent uh, game rushing the rushing the football, but you know, he's not going to face. You know, the Titans have a pretty. It's not like the stingiest defense in the world, but he. I, I would be shocked if he had a similar kind of game that he had. Uh, this week, and I think it was more so due to the lack of talent that the Colts have to stop the run, more so than Devontae being like, "Oh man, uh, well, our offense isn't centered around Devontae." No, it's not. But I mean, you still want him to be able to run the ball effectively. We haven't seen that. Granted, he was going up against two beastly uh, defensive lines, but you saw how we blocked in that Eagles game. You mentioned that replay last week, where it's like on the first game or first play of the game, everyone did their job, did their held their blocks perfectly. Devonta gets tackled for like a one yard, you know, game. You got to have a running back that can um, do what he needs. You know, sorry. you got to have a running back that can run against tough run defenses. And if your offensive line is doing a good enough job, it's all the onus is on you to perform. And I just don't think he can do it. I haven't seen anything. Like I figured he'd have a decent game against the Colts just because the run defense is so bad. Unless we're playing a bad a team of bad run defense, we're going to continue to struggle running the football, which is going to put Matt Ryan in more precarious positions to potentially turn the football over with this newfound mentality of forcing the ball. I mean, hopefully that doesn't keep happening, but it's just like, I, I don't know. I can't go into any games anymore with any expectations. I don't want to go to any games in person right now. I don't want to shell out 60, 80, 100 bucks to go to a game and just be like sitting there depressed the whole time just because it's like, I just... Just it's just not there, man. I don't know. Something's not there with this team. And I think it comes back to Quinn. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I. You can blame the players too, but I feel like first you got to blame Quinn. Yeah, it's hundred percent on him. I don't. I don't think there's anyone out there standing up for Dan Quinn anymore. Yeah. Um. I'm. Arthur Blank's been kind of quiet in the media, which is kind of surprising for him. Mm-hmm. Um. But hell, I mean, it could be something. 
If we lose this week to Tennessee at home, I wouldn't be surprised if that were it. I don't think. I, Arthur Blank's never made a snap decision like that in it's history. It's people in season. In season, but it's been later in the season. At the same time, we've thought about this. Arthur ain't He's where, getting old. Arthur ain't where he was 15 years ago. So and, if and, it come, and Matt Ryan's what thirty five now? I think he's thirty three. Whatever. He's getting you know, it's not like he's a spring chicken anymore. He's been in the league for I think this is his eleventh season, something like that. So Julio's in the prime of his career, Matt's should be in the prime of his career. You know, you got an exciting receiver in Ridley, you got Grady Jarrett, one of the best defensive tackles in football, Deion Jones, a great linebacker. Sure. You know, Keanu Neal before he tore his ACL was, you know, feared safety. You've got too much. I, I still believe this is a very talented bunch, even though there are some deficiencies in the personnel. But I feel like Dan Quinn is not getting the most out of them, and we're seeing that. And we're seeing the same tired excuses and the same bullshit. And he just doesn't even need to say anything in the media anymore. Show me through the effort that the team will display, and that's it. I don't want to hear your bullshit. Well, here's the thing about the talent on this team. Think about us versus our favorite team, the Patriots. The argument could be made that we have more stars on our defense than the Patriots. Absolutely. But the Patriots have one of the best defensive units in the league. And they always do. No. Their defense last year was not. It was good at limiting points, but statistically it wasn't that great. On the average, over the last 15 years. They've had a good defense. It's not been like... And they cycle players in and out. They don't pay anyone big money. It's their system. It's all about the system. Yeah. Like, I can't think of a great Patriots... Like, I remember Asante Samuel and Teddy Bruschi... And Mike Vrabel, and uh, there's a couple of guys I'm sure I'm forgetting over the last couple of years that have been like stud players. But you're right; it's not as you think of the teams that won the 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 last three Super Bowls for them. And a a lot of these guys, (laughs) and a a lot of these guys are guys that when they go to another team, they don't have the same success, right? Even though they're perceived as stars. So it's hundred percent about the coach. And you can say the same thing about their offense. Yeah, think about Amendola. Um, guys like that, uh, Welker, you know, any one of their million running backs. Yeah, of course Welker came from the Broncos, but I mean, when he left New England, I think he was done. Yeah, all their running backs they cycled through. They had that uh, Marshall Fox cousin or whatever for like twenty years. They always had Corey Dillon and all these other guys that you care about and they'd have decent years or maybe they didn't perform or whatever. But it didn't matter. You're right. It would be in and out. That system is so foolproof. It's the best coaching system in the history of the NFL, and you can't. Expect everyone to have that because no one else does. But at the same time, your system has to be decent enough to the point where it's not like you can pull someone off of the street and say, go play. But when you have this much talent, your system is, and they don't perform up to expectations, your system is screwed defensively. And just not being ready for games is unacceptable. Yeah. And Ricardo Allen was even asked about that, and he kind of hesitated a little bit before he answered. And, you know, it's just like that. Tells you what it's, it's like. They're overconfident. This guy got overconfidence. Like you have no reason to be overconfident. If anything, this bunch should be the most humble bunch in the NFL. You literally have you know are the biggest choke artists in the history of American professional sports. Do you want them to be humble though, or do you want them to be aggressive, or just them? be pissed off? But don't go in lax days ago and just expect to win. Why don't they just get Samuel L. Jackson to be in the locker Make room him rise for up every single damn game? If you need to do that, then. Go home because that clearly means like if you need a motivational speaker for every game, and you can't get motivated enough to go out there and do what you need to do, there's a bigger problem afoot. And once again, hey, I comes back to Quinn. As long as they can get motivated somehow. Yeah, but that's also just like saying let's have referees at every practice. 
that, that means you got a big I problem. I don't think that's that horrendous. I think that's awful. Because that means that your discipline sucks so much that you literally have to get someone else to teach them to be more disciplined, which is awful on the coaching staff. It is pathetic. Well, let's break this down. For we, all, we, all we keep saying about penalties is discipline. There's a lot of changes in uh, what they're calling penalties now. Yeah. All right. maybe, maybe not everyone's fully uh, up to par with well, what you can and can't do. Then that's also on the coaching staff. Run out another scenario for me. Well, that's why they're bringing in refs. It's ridiculous. And the coaches, yeah, I don't know. We're just going to keep going in circles. We're in trouble. I, we're maybe in trouble. I think we're in trouble. Even if we beat the Titans, I don't care. I think we're still in trouble. I just want us to be good enough to where we can have a little hope, have a little fun talking about this team, see some sparks here and there, mm-hmm. give some guys some time to develop. Because if we can be 4-4, four and four, uh, then we get Chris Lindstrom back. Offensive line could be a asset all of a sudden. And uh, then we got the NFC South coming in town. So let's just tread water here for a couple weeks, Graham. Yeah. Let's change our expectations. We want to tread water. Hey, we're better at... Think about this. Did you, did you watch that Monday Night Football game last night? The Redskins? I watched some of it. Was that was awful. atrocious. There's a lot of atrocious football. Oh yeah, teams we're not there. like atrocious, but it's just the expectations are so high for this bunch that it's just disappointing to see them when they just come out there and are just flat and just don't get it. And it always happens after a big win, historically. And on the road. And on the road. And so I think I, I think they'll be ready against the Titans, but it's going to be a flat. I think we're going to see Ben Stadium. I'll tell you that probably, much. probably. Like they just lost a lot of money by, I mean. People were getting excited again after the big Sunday night win, and it was a perfect day to watch football, and they just came out flat. I mean, 40 minutes in, we knew we weren't going to win. Yeah. They just moved the ball with such ease, Tennessee did. It was just no pressure again. Indianapolis. Or, sorry. Yeah. We got Tennessee on the brain just because we're playing. I'm sorry. Indianapolis. Uh, just came out. It's just like they were – it was almost like they were just – Tossing the football in the backyard. It was just so easy. Coverage was bad. No pressure. Then when we got one sack in the entire game, not a lot of quarterback pressures. Uh, it is what it is. Grady even played a bad game. Grady did not have the best game. He also injured his toe, but he, apparently he should be fine. DeMonte KZ moves back to safety, which I think is good for him, just because I don't think he's the best nickel corner in the world. He hasn't really done much being out there uh, this year so far. Let's remember he led the league last year in interceptions. Um, so that could be maybe that could be good, but it's still he's still not gonna be able to replace. I don't think Neil was playing great though. I mean Neil was was doing his I don't know. I can't honestly say whether or not Keanu I can't I don't look at the pro football focus. I never he never did anything that All I know is he's the one that let Aguilar get wide open down the sidelines that if he had caught that ball, right. would have. But, but I'm just saying, we know what Keanu Neal can do when he's at 100%. We know he's a he's a good player. And we know KZ's good, but he's not as good as, like, Neal, Pro Bowl kind of player when he's on his shit. And it's just, that is a downgrade no matter how you look at it. So your personal accolades guy now? Fair. <laughs> I hate subjective things. You're right. In popularity contest. Yeah. I'm just saying. He's well respected through the league. He's been rated well on Pro Football Focus. He's a good. He's a good, very I'm, good safety. I'm just being difficult. I know, but uh, yeah, I think I, I don't really want to talk anymore about the Falcons unless you have 
something very pressing you need to get off your chest. No, I'm, I'm good as well. So, Adam, let's move on to the Atlanta Braves. Indeed. And before we get into all the excitement from this past weekend, for the first time ever on Atlanta's own, we're going to be somewhat... Relevant? Relevant. Jesus, God. As far as timing. Okay. And the fact that we're going to get this out before we record it is it's breaking news, Graham. Breaking news. Okay. All right, and I want to get your opinion on it. I don't know what this is, and I'm very nervous. All right. It's actually not breaking news. It's breaking speculation, but... (laughs) You just ruined the entire segment. All right. Soroka will be limited to 65 to 70 pitches tomorrow. The Braves haven't revealed their NLDS rotation plans, but it's starting to seem like Soroka will start game three which will be on the road. I've got stats to back that up, but what's your initial thought to Soroka going game three? Because you've been saying forever Soroka needs to start game one. Soroka's been the man the whole season. He should start game one. And he has, even if he hasn't been the best pitcher down the stretch, he's still been good enough to the point where he he should be pitching game one, in my opinion. You want to hear the logic behind it? Yes. Some sabermetric shit. Pretty standard home road splits. That's not even sabermetrics. He has a 414 ERA and 13 home starts. Mm. 135 and 15 road starts. Well, it's hard to argue with those numbers. (laughs) But the crazy thing is we've always gone back about... We've been discussing playoff rotations for the last, like, four damn weeks now. Mm-hmm. And it was always Soroka one or Keiko one, but the other one two. Yeah. Um, but Fulte has just got himself back in the fold now. Fulte's got his I guess you're looking at Keiko. I mean, if that's true, that was from our friend Mark Bowman. If that's true, then it's going to be Keiko, Fulte. Keiko game one, Fulte game two, Soroka game three. So my question about that is, if he's only going through 65 pitches tonight... And there are how many games are left? Five games. Yeah, you got two against Kansas City. Uh, tomorrow he's throwing, I think. Okay. All right, that makes sense then. Okay, this will be his last start of the year. Yeah. Okay. So be it. It's not. I mean, it's surprise. I think they showed us last year with their playoff roster that they're going to go with the hot hand. Yeah, that makes sense. There, there were a lot so of. So what is going to happen? Foldy's going to start game one. He's gone from bubble guy to... No, Keiko's going to start game one. Foldy even better than Keiko. Well, he's been the, the hot last, hand. You're yeah. right. I mean, there's no one, no pitcher on the staff hotter than Foldy right now. Maybe he does. That would be a shocker. That would be a shocker. Talking but, about the turnaround of yeah. the century. This is actually, you know what? Now that I'm actually looking at these splits myself, it's pretty staggering. Um, he's thrown more innings on the road, so he's done better with more... We're talking op- Soroka? Yeah, Soroka. He's thrown 93.2 innings on the road, 76 innings at home. So he's had more opportunities. He's had two more opportunities away than he has at home. And he's pitched 17 more innings um, and done a lot better. Only given up four home runs on the road. He struck out more guys on the road. 195 batting average against on the road. And he's, you know, facing a righty dominant lineup for the most part in St. Louis, and they've only hit 194 off him. 
Not that that matters because you're playing St. Louis no matter what, but uh, okay. Checks out. Well, I guess I can screw my I can go screw myself then. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes Graham. You know what? I was a very old school mentality on my part. Yeah. This the stats actually back it up and make more sense for him to start on the rest of. You know what? Fine. Some sometimes Graham it does help to look at stats. Yeah. I mean, but that's basic stats. Those are basic stats. It's not like his saying his F war is better. On yeah, the I don't care about something. his FIP. I do care about his FIP, but those peripherals, you know, over the course of the season, say pretty much what you need to hear in terms of supporting Shit, that could, argument. It could be faulty one with the argument I've been making about having the veteran Keuchel pitching game two. Yeah, this is a very new age uh, staff here, Adam. It is. I mean, remember last and, year... And Snicker's been very open to that, which has been nice. Well, remember last year, like, a bunch of the, like, bullpen arms that got us there didn't make the playoff uh, yeah. roster. right. Like, Jesse Biddle. Right. Because Sabatka was lights out in September. Right, and also Biddle burned out on the stretch. Freed made the bullpen after only throwing, like, two innings in mm-hmm. September. So, weird. This roster could look surprisingly different. Yeah, the the most recent uh, prediction that Bowman came out with for our bullpen had O'Day over Luke Jackson. I saw that, and I don't. Luke Jackson has struggled down the stretch. I don't know if I can trust Darren O'Day yet. I th- I think this week's going to be very important for Darren O'Day. I think O'Day. I mean, yeah, I think it's, this, this week's going to be important for O'Day versus Jackson. It's going to be important for Swanson v. Hetcheveria too. Yes. Yes, I think. Are you a little more open to the hedge at this point? I am more open to the open to the hedge. I looked at the stats. It's pretty bad. They're bad. Dansby's like OPS is like anemic. It's like four fifty two or something. It's just awful. He's hitting well under two hundred. Made two bad errors on Sunday against the Giants, and you got to got to wonder if it's uh, a product of his offensive struggles. I had no idea. Well, that would suck for him, man, because he like last year when he was starting to play better towards the end, he got hurt. Right. And missed the playoffs because of that. Right. And this year he's healthy, but now he's struggling down the stretch. And I mean, he's going to be on the roster no matter what. Yeah, he'll, but, be on, he'll make the roster for sure. But I mean, Hetch might honestly overtake him at this point. I mean, Hetch has been lights out in September, man. Hitting 350, 420 on base, 706 slugging with a bomb. Hey, I mean, we, we've seen weirder things this year in baseball for. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that have been. Average players throughout their career who blow up have blown up this year. In fact, sure. Um, Matt Joyce. Matt Joyce. Matt Joyce was. He could be one of those a guys. Journeyman, not a loser by any stretch of the imagination, but just you know, an afterthought addition to the roster. Honestly, yeah. You bought him on the roster. You look at the the stat lines. You look at the advanced metrics, and it's like, okay, we're getting pretty much an average guy. Maybe he'll have a decent season. I don't know. Now is the guys should be in your starting lineup every day, especially considering the Cardinals who. At this point, we're probably going to play. I know there's still mathematical chance that we could overtake the Dodgers, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you know, the Cardinals don't have any left-handed pitchers other than some guy in their bullpen. So it's literally all righties. We have slaughtered righties. He has slaughtered righties yeah. in particular. He just mashes them. Yeah, I mean, that's a funny – I mean, Joyce certainly gets overlooked. And I know when we signed – I mean, he was – we were his third team in spring training. And I know when we signed him – not to lump you with in with all these people, Graham, but I'm I'm sure we could go back and find a sound bit and say I don't give a shit about Mac Joyce. I, I you know we, what we we could have signed 
who were all the left fielder outfielders you wanted this offseason, Graham? Oh, I really wanted Michael Brantley. He's had a brilliant season with Houston. He's been good. Yeah. He was the main guy I wanted. I wanted to trade for Castellanos. He's been good. Yeah. Um, those are the two guys I really wanted. Um, but it's these underrated signings that Anthopolis has made no, that just, he, like, literally no one notices, and then you look up, and, oh, I mean, there's no one's questioning that this guy should be yeah, a starting to, right fielder to, now. To counter your point, I don't even think he was mentioned. I don't think we mentioned him when we acquired him or when we were doing a season preview show. Didn't mention him. I don't think he was he was brought up at all. Why the hell would you, considering his peripherals and what you thought he was going to be? Well, we went over the roster. Yeah, but I, I don't... Not that I have a photographic memory, I'm far from that, but you know what I mean? Like, he was probably an afterthought at best. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't really until August when he started getting any starts at all. Well, yeah, he never really got too many opportunities. August, he comes on, just slaughters the baseball. September, he's also slaughtering the baseball. Um, God, I, I want... You look at his numbers, you know... Against right, he's very good. 298, 413, 470, 883 OPS. Very, very good. All his homers have come against right-handers. I'm really excited for him. And all of all of like our top four guys have also killed right-handers. So it's looking good for us, but there's still a couple of points of concern. Um, what you say? Yes, concern. Uh, I'm going to make the most over-the-top statement. An irresponsible statement. Don't you dare talk bad about Freddie Freeman. Oh, I'm not talking bad, Graham. I think Matt Joyce is going to go down as an Atlanta Braves legend. Like a Mark Lemke kind of thing? Like a guy who just blows up in the playoffs. Yeah. Mark Lemke was Mr. October. Leads us. For us. To some land. Some land. If he can lead us past the division series, I'll put a fucking statue of him up in my backyard. And we're going to be talking about him. For years to come. Yeah, similar to how I talk about Keith Lockhart. I hope you talk about him more than Keith Lockhart, <laughs> if he does that. But yeah, I mean, Joyce has been uh, Joyce has been fantastic. And I, I really hope this uh, continues as we move move towards the playoffs. Obviously, we got to mention, we, we clinched the division. Very exciting. Yes. Uh, on Friday night. Yeah, that was awesome. Beat the Giants 6-0. Acuna looks like he's heating up. Got his 40th home run finally. Yeah. And uh, had a very good game against San Francisco that night. Mac hit a home run. Uh, everybody contributed in some shape or form. It was really nice to see. Um, Brian Snicker just continues to almost make me cry on a weekly basis now. His interviews are just phenomenal. He's so much better than Freddie Gonzalez. Freddie Gonzalez was interviewed. He's like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, tip cap to the guy uh, who, who hit the game-winning double again, Dave. And then Dave would tell David Bryan would tell him he's like, oh yeah, what my name was that Dave? You know, he just it sounded like he had just been on uh, Valium the whole game and was just coming down and had had hazy memories of, yeah. of what happened during the game. Couldn't speak in complete sentences. Was stuttering. Kind of reminds me of myself a little bit at times. You know, sure. but that's not a good thing. And he just didn't inspire confidence. Snicker talks whether he's uh, you know like the Acuna situation. We had to bench him. Very straightforward, diplomatic, not being an asshole but being firm, fair but firm. You know, when Charlie Culberson gets hit in the face, loves his guy, makes you want to cry with him. You know, he's like, pray for Charlie. And he like, could hardly get that out. And it was just it was a beautiful thing. You know, he clearly loves the players. And then when he's pumped, you can get pumped with him. Acuna put out that uh, video before in the, in the post game after we clinched. And he said, you know, we're going to, 
uh, you know, we were knocking on the door last year, and let's tear that motherfucker down this year. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he literally said motherfucker, and everyone just freaked out. That was such a phenomenal I wanted to run through a wall at that, that point. That was a strong... I love it when you hear guys that you don't hear cussing, and then to hear how naturally... But I don't think he does that a lot. No, but it was... But that's why when, when you break out a motherfucker like that... Such conviction. Yes. I loved it. Uh, he had a, also a phenomenal interview on the field with Kelsey Winger where, I mean, she was just asking him questions. He was kind of going through it. And then uh, he just heard the crowd, like, cheering nonstop. And he, like, paused when he realized that they were cheering for him. And he just, like, immediately, like, gets yeah, a little sure. choked yeah. up. And, uh, yeah, he's just a genuine guy. And, um, yeah, I mean, how what fortune for us to, like, what, it was just such a weird series of events for him to end up being our manager. I mean, he almost quit. You think about it, um, the year 2017 season when Copy was still there, he was like, I'm going to have to go tell him I'm not doing this or he's going to fire me. Whatever. I'm done. Like, yeah. I can't deal with this this front office anymore. And then this, if Copy hadn't done the scandal that he was part of and been banned from baseball, Snicker would not be our manager. Who knows where we'd be? I had no idea. Yeah. We would have probably gotten some, probably gotten Gabe Kapler, and everyone would want to you know, commit Harry Carey. God. Yeah, I mean, having, as we see with the Falcons, having the right guy in charge. It makes a big difference. Because you, you think the Braves and Phillies started their rebuild about the same time, and we are just light years ahead of them in terms of our current Major League roster. Yeah, I mean, the but f- also our, our farm system still like top 10. And the Phillies is shit now. And yeah. they've got all this money devoted to Jake Arrieta and Harper. 12 more years of Bryce Harper. And, I mean, we're just we're set up for a lot of winning. Yeah. And uh, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, the, the Snitker thing, I'm going to, courtesy of Ronald Acuna's uh, Instagram or Twitter, or MySpace page, whatever. Hey! There you go. That doesn't get you pumped up. I don't know what. Yeah, man. And like, watch it all. Watch it all. Those celebration videos just brought a smile to my face the whole time. Just those guys are clearly the best of friends. And I mean that. I mean that bond is going to be important in October. Yeah, well, something that stood out to me that was really important is, you know, in past years, and I don't even count last year just because, you know, everybody was just happy they got where they got. But in past years during, like, the Bobby Cox dynasty or even when Freddie Gonzalez got in the playoffs, it was like everybody was so happy that we did it. And it was, you know, never even had any guy saying, oh, like, oh, we're playing on, you know, kicking ass and winning a championship. It was always just like, yay, we did it. Every, it seemed like almost everybody that was interviewed – after we've clinched the vision, says we have unfinished business. For you know, I'm paraphrasing everybody, that was the general theme. Yeah, we have unfinished business. We got to do it. Even Anthopoulos was interviewed by uh, Kelsey Winger, and he wasn't even in the. Uh, he wasn't. Even, he wasn't even down there. And she says, "I noticed you're dry." And he's like, "Yeah, I. I that was by design. I, I don't plan on getting wet until we win the division series." And I was like, "Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, that should be the expectation." I love where the organization's head is at in terms of what the expectations need to be because I felt like we kind of got lost in this 
uh, you know, this pageantry of winning 14 straight division titles, which is, you know, a hell of an accomplishment. But when you keep just being a first-round exit every year, who gives a shit? It becomes meaningless. Well, you got to think this team this year, though, it's kind of unique in the, the way it's come together with these young guys that we're able to lock up. But we also have, like, I mean, Donaldson made big money this year. We don't know if he's going to be back next year. Mm-hmm. Same with Keichel. So you got two veterans um, on one-year deals that this could be their only chance to win a championship with this team. Yeah. So, I mean, don't don't look to next year anymore. Let's let's get the job done. You got to. Yeah. There's there's no more development. There's no more. Not to say people can't keep getting better, but you know what I mean. It's, there's 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 no letting the foot off the gas and pumping the brakes a little. It's like pedal to the metal, zero to sixty. Run through a fucking wall and do whatever you have to do. I mean, we're we're clearly a better team than we were last year, objectively and subjectively. I mean, there's no way anyone could say that we're right. a worse team. Especially you mentioned those two guys, Keiko Donaldson, the emergence of Soroka, uh, getting getting Keiko. Obviously, the bullpen acquisitions have been huge. Our bullpens are solid, man. Yeah, and then Fulty just being like a, a oh, thank you for this present. In September, right, a, a guy who was in AAA like two and a half months ago that we thought was he looks done. He looks better. Yeah, should we mention that he threw eight shutout innings in the clincher? Yeah, he was phenomenal. Ninety three pitches, I think. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and if you look at what he's done in damn September, I mean, sub one ERA, point six nine, twenty one strikeouts to five balls. He's only given one homer um, in twenty six innings. He's been Unfreaking believable, and uh, I can't say anything else other than that, man. I mean, the guy is just on another planet right now, and you're—he could be starting the game one, man. Who the fuck knows? Whoever starts game one, I'm going to feel confident in him, though. It wasn't like last year where it was still when you knew Fulty was going to start game one. You're like, well, what's he going to be like? Is he going to be able to contain his emotions? And so, pop, 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 he had a great season. No. Yeah. You know, Newcomb starting game two or uh, game three, and and the freaking corpse of uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Anibal Sanchez starting game two. It's just like it didn't inspire a lot of confidence. Um, but now you look at everybody in that rotation, you're like, I can see it working out. Exactly. Even I'll even admit, even if Julio Tehran pitches, I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna like it. But I'm not going to, you know, freak out either because he's had a solid season. He'll certainly be on the roster in some shape or form. I'm glad we're talking. We're finished with the Braves. I felt so shitty after the Falcons. And I'm like, I'm even excited. I feel like whenever football season starts, I kind of back off baseball a little bit. Yes. Like, I don't get as excited about watching the games every night. Well, especially in these uh, rebuilding years for the Braves, you know, before last season, right? It's just like, well, there's nothing really care about for the Braves right now that the season's winding down we suck whatever yeah. well and then this year we've kind of have have we've known for the last really month and a half that we're gonna win the division probably right you know uh, but I'm excited to go watch the damn Royals game tonight mm-hmm. I want to see what like you said Hetch and Hetch and Dansby um, so who's your guy right now if you had to say right now regardless of the last week who's your guy right, I mean right now who's odd is Hetch so would you go with Petraria I would. I would, too. I would, too. Um, and even if Dansby can even have, like, a couple multi-hit games or something, I honestly think Catch has won the job. Dansby's shown nothing since he's come back offensively. 
the other one, Such. the other one we're looking at that we kind of forgot about is Cervelli versus Riley. Riley's been terrible. Yeah, I don't think Austin Riley can be on the roster. Um, or maybe Riley versus Duvall. I think you got. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Duvall has looked better recently. I know uh, Riley took what's his name Nola deep last week or week before, whatever. But I mean, that's it. That's, that's the only thing you can really yeah. say. So you know he's going to be in the lineup all week. Um, but yeah, I mean ne- next week when we're back, we will know the lineup. Right. And we'll actually record before game one. Yeah, we will record before game one. Game one's next week, man. It's exciting stuff. It's Thursday, yeah, man. And uh, I guess the only other thing we need to mention, Freddie Freeman's bone spurs have been acting up in his elbow. He's not going to play in the Kansas City series. Wise decision, I would say, by the team. Um, He's going to get four days off. He got an off day on Monday. He's going to not play Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we have an off day Thursday. So for the final series in New York, he'll be able to play. Hopefully that makes it stop barking because he's been slumping. I think he's like one for 18 or something like that in his last 18 at-bats. Hasn't – he did have – that one hit was a big hit. Uh, scored a couple runs. But but uh, it was against the Giants, I believe. But overall, he hasn't looked the same. He's not blamed the injury. Of course he's not. But I think the message is clear. But that has given him some issues. What else can you really point to? Even though Frank sometimes can go through little slumps like this, knowing about this these elbow spurs now makes me think – that's got to be what's really affecting him at this point. Yeah, so apparently he was feeling better today after having a couple of days off. So what, what can you do at this point? I mean, he's, he's going to play. Yeah. And he's a gamer, so. And you want him in the line. I don't care if he's 80%. I'll take Freddie Freeman's 80% over whatever the hell you'd put at first base. Maybe Francisco Cervelli. That would be a disaster. He, he's played first. I, okay. Jose Bautista had also played third base. How would that work out? Francisco Cervelli is a little more in uh, his prime than Jose Bautista. Maybe. Yes, okay, fine. But you know what I mean? Like, I don't want guys who haven't played first base in years starting a division series game. Like, I would I would rather you put, I don't know, Riley, Austin Riley. Riley's your only other option. I would rather do that than have Cervelli be your first base. He's just, just too big of a risk defensively. Just, I can't. Maybe I can't, he's a stud over there, man. I can't come. I can't. You don't know? No. You don't know shit about I don't really. Cervelli's skill set at first base. I, I would not. Ex- Irresponsible to speculate, Graham. Same to you, sir. I know. Who is your catcher, your main catcher in this division series? Um. So I wrote something on this today, and I guess Keiko's numbers are a lot better with Flowers catching him. Mm-hmm. I think Soroka is better with McCann. So I, I'm just going pretty much based on who the starter is. I think that's probably right, unless it's a left-hander. But at the same time, like I'd rather the starter be in a good position than the catcher be in a good position offensively just because the rest of our offense can take care of those top six guys I have full confidence in. It's not like we're wanting for offense from our catcher position. And, well, one of them is heads and tails above the other one offensively. Right. We thought that that was going to be McCann, but he's had a rough last month. So. Last couple months. So. But, I mean, either of those guys, though, I still feel like, you know, they're capable of putting good at-bats together, getting a clutch hit. So that's all you can ask for. It's not like a complete liability. It's Offensively, it's, it's, like, it's pretty bad. These guys are not are not doing well offensively. 
over the last couple months. Um, but in one moment, Graham, we're talking about one I moment. I know, I know. I mean, does Cervelli make a case at all to start a game? I don't think so. Why not? I mean, has he been that much better than those two guys? I'd say, you know, not really. But uh, <laughs> he also has, has, have, hasn't had as many opportunities either. I mean, I think the the staff, you got to say what's more important pitching staff. I would say if they feel more comfortable with our other two guys than you go with our other two guys. Cervelli's just done a couple more things that have been more memorable over the last uh, yeah. couple, over the last month or so since he's been acquired. So I think that's why he's kind of on my mind. But um, I think he will be, even if he doesn't make the roster, I think he'll be a valuable resource for us in other ways because he's played in the NL Central for years with Pittsburgh. So he knows this Cardinal team. And I think, as silly as it might sound, I mean, you're going to get you get your scouting reports from your scouts, but you also get firsthand experience from Cervelli just to be there to say, you know, to help maybe guide Mack and, and Flowers a little bit and, um, and maybe the pitching staff too. So, I mean, having him there, regardless if he plays or not, I think he'll be a valuable resource. I think he's making the roster either way now with Camargo and Culberson both being out because that way we do have – we can't use one of those catchers off the bench as a pinch hitter. Yeah. And use – I don't – your boy um, uh, Billy Hamilton is a pinch runner for one of them, so I guess Hamilton will kind of will probably get a default spot just because of that. You're right, and he can play first base in an emergency. Cervelli, yeah, I don't know why you're fixated on that. He's played 18 games at first oh, base. Oh Jesus! He God. played the other day at first. Well, shiver me timbers. Is the DH tonight? Really? That doesn't matter, but we'll get to see him hit at least. Yeah, that's true. If Dansby tears a cover off the ball this week, fine. If he does, if he has another shitty week of offense, you gotta you gotta ax him. Not ax him from the roster, but ax him from the starting lineup. We know what you're saying, bro. Yeah. And I like Dansby. I like Dansby a lot. I just you know, I love seeing Dansby succeed. Yeah, he just doesn't have it right now. But no, I I um I see the light. You see the hedge light. I can admit, admit when I'm wrong, Graham. Fair. Well, we'll see what happens. Anything to admit you're wrong about? Uh, Never. We'll see what happens next week, and we will have a special NLDS preview show for you guys, and we will have probably a starful recap of the Falcons game. Or if we win in some ugly fashion, we'll just be very ambivalent about it. I was talking with someone at work today about the Falcons game, and she was like, they better win this Sunday. I was like, you know what? They they probably will, but it's going to be... Painful, yeah, just horribly painful to watch. It's gonna come down to the last possession. Be an absolute struggle. Like I, the other, I bet Tennessee will be driving to win the game and then fumble it, and we miraculously recover and win by one point after being up by twenty. Sounds about right. Yeah, that's true to Atlanta. That, that's what this team does. Well, we'll recap it all for you next week and preview the NLDS. Until then, chop on, rise up, stand brotherhood, remain true to Atlanta, unite and conquer. I did that out of order. I hope I covered all of the teams. Thank you for listening. Good night. Hospital Hospital